And welcome to Big Red Banter here on WVBR 93.5 Ithaca's Alternative. This is the first episode of the 2024 calendar year. It is January 6th. I'm Matt Maddow alongside Jerry Shang. Jerry, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We're still on break from the fall semester. I think I've had a... still recording from home on a Thursday night. We're still recording from home on Thursday nights. We will be back in the studio for the spring semester soon enough. But I've been having a decent break. You know, it's been relaxing. Uh, a lot of football action going on that we'll talk about soon. How are you, Matt? I'm. I've been actually. I've been enjoying the sun in Florida for, and that's where I actually recorded my last show. But I am back home on beautiful Long Island, New York, and we are going to jump straight in to the action. With Cornell Sports Recap, start with men's hockey. What a busy New Year's week in the Adrianoc in the Adrianoc. I cannot pronounce the name of that mountain range out west. Winter Invitational in round one, they took on number eleven UMass and they tied them two to two. But they would win in a shootout with a with a ins- with an insane performance by Ian Shane that would eventually earn him. ECAC goalie of the week. They would then advance to the championship game of the Invitational, where they once again tied Arizona State two to two. But the Sun Devils would win the shootout, so the home team wins the Invitational, and Cornell finishes second once again. Ian Shane, how many times have we said this? I think this is his fourth ECAC goalie of the week for this season. I mean, I said it before, and I'll say it again. If I weren't a Rangers fan and we didn't have Igor and Quick, I would want this man on my team. Absolutely. I think this guy is going to start getting into the beta of one of the best Cornell goalies of all time if he continues. For sure. This. He's already I mean, the best active NCAA goalkeeper, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. And, he, and Statistically, he's been doing fantastic, as you said. And this, the sheer dominance that this guy is you know, putting up every single week, performance after performance, goalie of the week after goalie of the week, you know, I think he's going to start getting into that debate of what being one of the best Cornell goalies of all time. Highlight save after highlight save. I went to the Rangers versus Panthers game this past weekend down in Sunrise, Florida, and saw Jonathan Quick make a Scorpion save. I come out of the game, scrolling Twitter or X or whatever you see it, and I see Ian Shane on my feet, and I'm like, well, that might have been better than what Quick just did, and that was in the game <laughs> against that was against the Minutemen against UMass. I mean, there's we we can go on and on about how good Ian Shane is as a goalkeeper, but I mean, we'll save it for, we'll save it because we're going to eventually run out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, and he's only a sophomore too, so we got plenty of time to talk about it. Let's move on to women's basketball. The Cornell women's basketball uh, team returns, uh, opens 2024. Uh, it's Ivy League portion of its schedule is now coming up. It's going to host pretty soon. It's my favorite. Newman Arena. Oh boy. Uh, sophomore Emily Pappy scored, scored double uh, figures in five consecutive games. She is in a very hot streak right now, including her career high of 27 against Syracuse uh, two weeks ago on December 18th. The Big Red will take on the Tigers uh, on Saturday, January 6th, which is today at 2 p.m. So the game will be over by now by the time this broadcast is out there for you guys to listen to. So hopefully women's basketball does well against these Ivy League games. This is where the schedule heats up. This is where it gets really important. 
you know, we can talk about March Madness and things like that. What are your thoughts, Matt? Well, I think, well, I think I said it before with, it goes with the, for the men and for the women, the Ivy league is as wide open as it's ever been. And it's the strongest as it's been in a long time, both on the women's side and on the men's side. And I think if there was a year for two bit Ivy, I think this is the year that we see it moving on saying with the women, women's hockey, I'm, more talking about the alumni of the Cornell women's hockey program. They made an, a splash in the opening weekend of the professional women's hockey league, the PWHL. We had two Cornellians named captains of their respective teams and an alternate captain as well. The captain of PWHL New York is Mike Zandy Hart, class of 2020. The assist or excuse, the, the alternate captain of New York is Jill Solnier. And the the captain of PWHL Ottawa is Brianne Jenner, class of 2015. Um, Stalnier also recorded a goal in the in New York's four to nothing win over Toronto. And another Cornell alumni, Jamie Bermanon, also recorded an assist in the four to nothing win. Moving on to wrestling, it is the season is heating up, and the Big Red got a couple of top 12 matchups in their in. In their horizon. Coming up on Friday. This will have already happened by the time this airs. But for us, it's tomorrow. Remember, we're recording Thursday. This show airs Saturday. They take the Big Red or on the road to take on Ohio State, who will rank number eight. And on Sunday, which is tomorrow for you guys at least, it is number 11, Virginia Tech at home at Newman Arena. All right. Finally, we've got today men's lacrosse, my personal favorite sport to watch at Cornell. I know a lot of hockey people out there are like, this is sacrilegious, but I love watching Cornell's lacrosse. Uh, the men's lacrosse biased. season is right around the corner. I am biased, but I love watching Cornell's lacrosse play. Uh, the men's lacrosse season is just around the corner. Preseason USA lacrosse top 20 has been released. Cornell men's lacrosse came in at number seven. This marks the second consecutive year the Big Red enter the season in the top 10 of the poll after being selected fourth in the 2022 preseason rankings. Cornell is the highest ranked Ivy and one of the four to make the top 20. The reigning national champion Notre Dame ranks number one on the list, obviously finaled by, uh, followed by the three other semifinalists, Duke, Virginia, and Penn State. Maryland, also a fantastic team. Took a first-round exit to Army in the 2023 NCAA tournament. They ranked fifth, followed by Johns Hopkins, who fell to Notre Dame in the second round. Uh, men's lacrosse is going to get its first action of the season Saturday, February 17th, when it hosts uh, Lehigh at Shulcott Field. The face-off is set for 3.30. I'm definitely buying season tickets to watch all these games. This is going to be a fantastic season. Well, for now, can't go to that game. We'll be in the studio recording with show, bud. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll okay. catch the second half together. It's all good. It's all good. It's all right. But I, either right. way, I cannot. I am so excited for this team. I am so excited. They are great for this team. I cannot wait to actually learn stuff about lacrosse. I am very new to the sport. My, my The extent of my lacrosse knowledge is that one New York Lizards MLL team, the MLL game that I went to when I was 10 years old, and clips I see of the PLL on social media. So I'm really excited to get into lacrosse as I have them with hockey. So far, moving on to our new segment, the second edition of In Other News. Like last week, this will be pretty much from here on out exclusively a football episode because 
it is this it is January and sorry, all people care about is football. I'm I I'm gonna call it how it is. He said it. So he said it. He said it. Over on the hot stove. In other news, in the MLB, we had a trade a couple of days ago. The Boston Red Sox trade away longtime ace Chris Sale to the Atlanta Braves for Va- shortstop Vaughn Grissom. I feel like this is a lateral move for both teams. Both teams needing, both teams having a need at their respective positions. I love what the Braves are building. Actually, I can't say I love it because I'm a Mets fan and I actually hate the Braves. But as but if they weren't the Atlanta Braves and they were just a random small market team in the middle of nowhere, I would love what they were building. They have found a way to get the best value and the best contracts for all of for all of their players. They are one of the youngest teams in baseball and have one of the lowest payrolls for a big market team and one of the lowest payrolls of some of the better teams in this league. When I tell you the Braves are an absolute masterclass on how to run a pre- professional franchise, I say I say I absolutely mean it, and I and it is so evident in this trade with Chris Sale eating the entire sal or with the Red Sox eating the entire salary of this of the Chris Sale contract, and then the Braves also extend him, which the Red Sox will still pay some of that salary. It is an incredible trade for the Atlanta Braves and for the Red Sox. This kind of was just. Ha- waiting to happen. Sale was very clearly unhappy and he kind of was just itching to leave. So, Jerry, what do you got with the NBA? Well, well, before that, I, I would say the Atlanta Braves are sort of like the 49ers of the MLB. They have great management. They fleece people when it comes to trades. Yeah, and they just really manage I'm so glad that, well. I'm so glad that the Mets don't make trades with these people because I, because because just of the taboo against in-division trades, it rarely happens. And thank God for that, because the Mets never know how to trade. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's just like the Commanders. They don't know how to trade either. Uh, they get just don't know how to do anything right. They haven't done anything right since RG3, bud. They ship Chase Young to the 49ers. Kind of, I, I feel like this is kind of similar to this situation. But... Um, and then Montez Sweat now. Because Vaughn Grissom does have value. It's not that yeah. bad. This, like... This well, is like either way, like the Red Sox. Actually, are, the Red Sox are a rebuilding team, and the Braves are in win now mode. This this move makes both this move makes sense for both teams. Um, yeah, it's just are. that the Braves are in. A, it's just that the Braves are the Braves, and I don't like them. All right, moving on they to really the NBA, are. Jerry. What do we got? All right, let's go. Another news. All right, the Detroit Pistons. Their pain is finally over. Their misery is finally over. Not really, but their losing streak is over. It ends at twenty eight breaks the all-time losing streak record for any professional sport. Uh, football, you know, basketball, baseball, you name all it. Them. Um, all of them. So they finally got their win. Uh, they also had a very decent game, I would say, against the Utah Jazz. And they took it to they overtime. lost it in two overtime. And they, they lost, lost it in overtime. They lost it in double overtime. Single, single OT. I think it was single. I think it was single. But uh, they have some life. Maybe, maybe not. Pistons for the prime and watch it happen. Pistons for the prime and watch it happen. Fine. I'm just uh, playing. And then also <laughs> with the Knicks. And then the, the Knicks. Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks. Uh, some news for you, Matt. They trade Barrett and quickly uh, to the Raptors for an Anobi, Achua, and Flynn. What do you think, what okay. do you think about that? I'm going to jump in on shit. I'm the Knicks, yeah, I'm the Knicks fan here. I'm the resident Knicks fan. Um, there you go. I hate it. I hate it. It's a lot. Of, wow. I hate it until I hold on. I hate it until there's another trade. Because this feels like part one to something bigger. This feels like we're getting an all-star. It, we're, we're building up to get a, 
an all-star. And I feel like Preston and Chiwa might not be a Nick for much longer. Or Malachi Flynn. Or someone in this deal is getting shift for a star. I And first of all, RJ Barrett is underwhelming as a dra- as a number three overall pick. That That's fine. He needed to go and to trade into his hometown team. It's a, it's a win-win for both teams. IQ leaving. I don't like it. He put up 26 in his opener for the Raptors. He looks like the... He looks like the point guard of the future for the Raptors. Good for him. Thibodeau wasn't playing him anyway. This felt like a lateral. This felt like a win-win trade, especially if the Knicks use this as a building block to get another larger asset. And that's what I hope the Knicks do. All right. In other news, with the NHL, Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs is the first player to crack 30 goals on this season, and the top teams in both conferences are starting to show cracks. The Golden Knights have been on a little bit of a losing streak as of late, becoming the first team. To be shut out in the Winter Classic, losing three to nothing to the Seattle Kraken in Seattle. And the New York Rangers, I watched the Florida Panthers live expose the blueprint to defeating the Rangers with an aggressive forecheck and and playing faster than the Rangers front line, keeping that first line off the ice. And I'm going to pretend like I I know much about the about hockey, but I but the Rangers looked beatable, especially a couple of nights ago in that six one loss to the Hurricane. These top teams in their conferences are starting to falter and starting to fall back down to earth. All right, that's it for our recap. We come back at week 18 in the NFL. Dreams will be fulfilled and some teams' playoff dreams will be shattered. And we're going to get to all the news, all the scenarios, and our final pick of the season only here, only on Big Red Banter. I don't know what you've been told, but time is
right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Big Red Better on 93.5 WBBR. Ithaca FM. We are heading into our next segment. It's going to be the NFL. It's week 18. It's the last oh, week of the regular sure. season. And let us do it. Let's quickly touch upon fantasy football. The championship week is over. And so we're going to make it quick. We're going to tell you guys how our finals went. We hope that you guys won your championships and did really well in your leagues. Matt, how about you start us off? We both had three leagues each. Why don't, we t- why don't you talk about how your leagues did? All right. First of all, if you're still playing your fantasy football championship game, you are crazy. I just want to say that right now. Your season should be over. And the Ravens and 49ers just showed you why. Purdy's not playing. Jackson's not playing. And if you have Lamar Jackson and are playing a fantasy football game this week and are now screwed as a result, I don't feel bad. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. First league. Brutal day. My first league, my old summer camp league. I won the championship game by 25 after six long and grueling years of of choking in the playoffs, leaving winning. The drought is over. The drought is over. I won by 25 and left a grand total of zero points on the bench against my brother in the championship game. Thanks to CMC dropping his worst game of the season and Jameer Gibbs being the bust of the week. Oh, and shout out Puka Nakua. I finally start him and he finally shows up when I do start him. Moving over to my high school league, I won the third place game by 50 and I outscored the team that ended up winning the championship. Man, if Amari Cooper didn't show up against the Texans, I probably would have been a three-time league champion by now. Going on to my other just-for-fun league, I'm still playing the championship game because I totally forgot to set the playoff schedule. This league should be over, but it's a four-team playoff and it's two weeks for playoffs. I made a mistake. I know I'm being contradictory. I don't care. I'm up 35 going into week 18 and I don't have any quarterbacks that are sitting out. I should be good. I should be a two-time champion by the end of this week. There we go. All right. Heading into my last meeting, all of my fantasy leagues are done. They all ended week 17. My Cornell League, I won the championship. It was a very close 10-point game against my one of my great friends. Um, it was it was a, it was one of the match greatest matchups I, I would say. But I squeaked out a win, won the championship there. Going back to my high school league, I also won the championship there. I absolutely blew the other team out of the water. I think I had 160 points. Um, won the championship there as well. Finally, in my last league, also managed to win the championship. Christian McCaffrey, Puka Nakua, uh, Derek Henry came in clutch a little bit there. There's also an Another league, which was like one of those random generated ones. I also won the championship there. So four rings in a season, probably the greatest performance that I've ever put up um, in fantasy. Um, I, I have no word to say. I think this is probably the best performance I'll ever see in my life. Four rings in one. Hard, hard to replicate, especially when next year when you see me in a league. And trust me, I don't take I take rivalry games seriously. All right, moving on to to um to. Jerry, you've got the last Stardom Stidham of the year. For the people who are crazy and are still playing their championship games, who should they start? Who should they sit? Let me hear it. Let's go. All right, so the starts, I'm going to go with George Pickens for your wide receiver against Baltimore, and here's why. The Ravens are going to be sitting their starters. We know this. They've already locked up the one seat. There's no reason for them to play their starters, and uh, because of that, they're going to have... Steelers are playing for their lives. They are playing for their lives. The Steelers are playing for their playoff spot. And that means that George Pickens and these wide receivers are going to have to step up. And I believe that he's going to have a masterclass of the game for you guys that need a wide receiver in your fantasy championship. If that happens to be in week 18, another one this, that has a very interesting situation is Deandre Hopkins 
against Jacksonville, even though the Tennessee Titans are already eliminated from the playoff race. DeAndre Hopkins has uh, a little bit of a uh, incentive that he needs to get. Um, if he gets, uh, I believe, 40 more receiving yards, he's going to get a $1 million bonus. So you already know that he's going to be getting those catches and getting those yards. He's going to want that extra moolah. So I think you're going to have to start DeAndre Hopkins. There's there's no way that he's not going to chase that bag for the end of the year. Same situation for Dalton Schultz if you need a tight end option against Indianapolis. I believe he also needs a couple, I think, believe four more catches or something like that. And he's also going to get um, $250,000 or something along those lines. So th- both those players are in interesting situations. You got to start them because they need their incentives. They need their bonuses. And they're going to try to get them. And the teams are going to make them get those incentives as well. So I would start those two players. Uh, if you still have your fantasy this week, moving on to the sits, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick Derrick Henry against Jacksonville. He just hasn't been producing these past couple of weeks, and against a very good Jacksonville defense, run defense, who is still in the playoff race, I'm not gonna I don't see him having that production again. Um, in addition, I, Trevor Lawrence, who's also playing the, again playing the Tennessee Titans, he's still coming off of that shoulder injury. He hasn't been producing well. In the past couple of weeks, I would, you know, play someone that actually has um, uh, a healthy condition right now. I think Trevor Lawrence just ha- is hasn't been it the past couple of weeks. And then finally, Ryan Robinson against uh, Dallas. Uh, even though Dallas, I'm there on this one because it's because it's he's a commander, and the Commanders are not a good football team. Is that a good enough explanation? Um, I was just going to say Dallas's run defense is really good, but you know what, you go off that. I I, I I love bashing the command. I bashing the commanders has become one of my favorite pastimes on this show. But yeah, Dallas has a lot to play for in this so far in this game, and the commanders probably would want to lose this game to get All first right. dibs on Caleb Williams. So oh, I will say this is the right good now. Uh, All the love that should be. I haven't, I haven't. I have never recommended anyone start a Patriot this year in fantasy, and I have um, never recommended anyone start a Patriot other than Tom Brady since 2015. I didn't even tell people to start Julian <laughs> Edelman. Yeah, yeah, to dynasty because Brady just spreads the ball around and nobody was consistent, and they were yeah, good players. Like James okay. White was one of my favorite running backs of all time, and I would never tell anyone to draft him because it was because the whole offense was inconsistent on an individual bet based on an individual basis. <sighs> it was a good they were yeah. a good unit, but you could never guess who was gonna go off. It's like the Rams this year. Except Kyron Williams. You know what? Guy. Well well one day will be a good team one day. Um all right, so the way they go through let's go. We're yeah. so last week I'm falling apart at the seams after going after starting <laughs> off with the big red banter, four oh and two at or four oh and one on Pickham. I have the lead is now four three two. Jerry won ten to five. I won eight. Jerry won it. What ten and five? I won eight and seven last week, and I don't like what I've got this week because he's playing a lot safer than I am. So we're gonna go through as we usually do. But any games that have playoff significance, even if we have the same pick, I will stop and I will and and I will elaborate on what the playoff implications are. So we start on Saturday night with Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Baltimore to take on their hated rivals. The Ravens, the Steelers, are playing for their lives. They need to win, and then they need either Jacksonville or Buffalo to lose. They need one of them to lose, and they will be the number seven seed in the postseason. And that is why I have them to defeat the Tyler Huntley-led Baltimore Ravens. I think I just said it. Why? 
Because Tyler Huntley is starting. He is not Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have about five pro bowlers and about five more alternates. And I can bet you about 75% of them will be on either a snap count or not playing at all. This is not going to be the same Ravens team that you see in the playoffs. And the Steelers, I, I hate to use the motivation excuse, but in week 18, it kind of matters when you're playing a one seed. Yes, the Ravens are a more complete team, but the Steelers are going to be more motivated. But like for but for real, mm, as, as start, the starters versus the backups, like who are you going to pick? Well, I think that Baltimore is still going to win regardless. I think you're disregarding pro bowler Tyler Huntley. Um, I think that even though the yeah, Ravens are going to start that. Yeah, I know. Even I, but, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But uh, even though they're starting their backups, I still I still think Baltimore is, might win this game. There is no way in the world that Baltimore is going to want to let the Steelers in the playoffs. Like for for me, those two are such big rivals that there is absolutely zero. It would that Baltimore mean nothing more. Start. Yeah, and and the possibility that if the Steelers do get into the playoffs and they win the game, they will be playing Baltimore. Just that fact alone makes me think that there is a decent chance that even though Baltimore is resting their starters, they're going to let their team go steamroll the Steelers. I think the Steelers are not a good playoff team this year. They always go above 500. It does not mean that they'll always make the playoffs. And I think this is one of those cases where Mike Tomlin continues his streak of having uh, consecutive winning seasons, but this is not a playoff team. Okay. Um, I this was a bad take for me from the start of the year where I thought the Steelers would be a fantastic team. They're a mid team, and I think that they're not going to make the playoffs. I think Baltimore was going to see them. See what simulation? Uh, it was crazy. That simulation was pretty bad. Uh, but considering yeah, that, that how they were playing at that time, I mean, it wasn't really that far of a stretch. Recency bias. Um, recency bias is one hell of a drug. That's all I'll say. Moving yeah, absolutely. On, moving on to Indianapolis and. And Indianapolis and Houston, Indy at home. We both have C.J. Shroud and the Texans. Neither of these teams are in, but both of these teams can become division champions with a win and a Jacksonville loss. Houston would also need Pittsburgh to lose to become AFC South South champions. Otherwise, they are win or go home. Basically, this game is win or go home for either of these teams, but they can become AFC South champions with a little bit of help from the Titans. Now we I believe this game is going to be I think I believe this game is going to be broadcast as we're talking right now. This is the 4:30 slate this yeah. is the first game of, of no, the no, 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 this is So a, this is going to be a no, very no, no. important Pittsburgh, game. The Pittsburgh games is the Pittsburgh games before 31. Okay, this my, my mistake. But this so this one's going to be this one's going to be the Steelers game would be okay. probably like it'll probably be 7 nothing Ravens by the time we're talking about this game. We're <laughs> possibly all right, moving on to the Sunday slate. Every game from here on out is the 1 o'clock game. Remember, the NFL does not have two games with the same implications at the same time slot to prevent tampering. The games that have the same implications for the same seeds will be together, will be played together. So we start with the games that either have no playoff implications or the score has already been settled on Saturday. We both have the playoff-bound Lions taking it to the Vikings as they did two weeks ago. The New England Patriots have not lost to the New York Jets since I was in sixth grade. I was 20, I believe, 17. Yeah, yeah, it was 2017, and we both think that trend will continue at the expense of the New England draft pick. We both have Cleveland, who is already playoff bound and locked into the number five seed, taking it to the Bengals. Now that we both have Tampa Bay beating the Panthers, but the AFC South is a doozy. I'm going to just recap it right now. Tampa Bay 
is in a win or go win or go home game for the NFC South. Assuming, and by the way, I'm not. I'm assuming no ties happen. So anything I say goes out the window if any of these games end in a tie. I don't care about ties. It's not going to happen, right? So Tampa Bay is in a win or go home game. They're either the four seed or they're out of the playoffs entirely against the Panthers. They lose, then it go. Then it's up to either the Saints or the Falcons. The winner of that game can step up to the plate and take the AFC South crown and the number four seed if the if the Buccaneers falter. Atlanta, that is the only path to the playoffs for Atlanta, but for the Saints, who we both have defeating the Falcons for obvious reasons, because Derek Carr is a lot better of a quarterback than Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. Sorry, Commander Sams. Um, however, if the if Tampa Bay ends up winning and taking the division, the or New Orleans can still get in with a Seattle loss and a Green Bay with a Seattle loss to Arizona and a Green Bay loss to Chicago. That is the scenario if they if they get in. Or if they if they win alongside Tampa Bay, the Saints can get in through that. The Jacksonville Jaguars, we just said, we just said, have a, have a win and your division champions against the Titans, and you've got some explaining to do because you have the Titans. I do have the Titans, and the the the, the fact is that the Jaguars are slowly collapsing this season. Okay, uh, there is no other way to put it. Trevor Lawrence has not been playing at a high level, and I get it that Titans are eliminated. Every single one of these games is a division rival. You never know what's going to happen. Like, we honestly, truthfully, both of us could go like 0 for 18 on guesses this guess, guess for this week. And we could be 0 and 0 16 for the 2019 uh, Browns or the 20. Yeah, we could, we could, we could truthfully both go 0 for 15 on picks like or, or something crazy because you never know what's going to happen with these division games. Um, I just think the Titans, uh, have partial ownership of the Jaguars occasionally. Uh, this is one that is true. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to just recap the Jaguars scenario. Like I said, they are AFC AFC South champs with a win, or they tie and the, or they tie and the other AFC South game, the Texans game, is also a tie. Won't happen. I've already said it. I don't like ties. Whatever. They are the seventh seed with a loss, a Pittsburgh loss, a Denver loss, and the Houston game does not end in a tie. So effectively, this is a winner go home game because the this is effectively a winner go home game because they need so many yeah. things to go right for them. How? Uh, all right, so we are moving on into the late window. Now it's the four o'clock window. The Seahawks and the Cardinals. We both have Seattle. Seattle needs a win and a Green Bay win or a Green Bay loss. Excuse me to the to the Bears for number set for the number seven seed. I have that happening. I have Seattle getting into the playoffs on account of them beating beating the Cardinals and the Bears upsetting the Packers. The Packers. But you've got explaining to do this time. I do. You well. First, let me just recap the Packers scenario. They are winning in, or they need everyone else below them to lose, including in this. They they pretty much they pretty much need a win or everybody below them to lose. So that's me. Um, I have the Bears winning. I don't know what I was thinking when I picked this, but now we're on air. I now have, it's now out in the in the world. <laughs> the Packers are majority owners of the Chicago Bears franchise. With Justin Fields playing light out, this is me playing the hot hand. I love what the Bears secondary is doing, and it, yeah. this is going to be a, this is going to be 
what Jordan Love can do. You're going to need Jordan Love to go up and beat the Bears, and they're going to need jo- and they're going to need Aaron Jones to step up. He has not been able to do that for the Packers or for my fantasy team in the playoffs, like it ended up mattering. Didn't, but I yeah, think fair. this is. There's too many moving parts for the Packers. They're they're. Their schedule has been a cakewalk for the last couple of weeks, and I think they're gonna. And I think if Justin Fields plays as lights out as he has in the past couple of weeks, I think we could be seeing an upset brewing. Kansas City, this game has no playoff implications. KC is locked into the three seed. They take on the Chargers, who are well out of a playoff spot and out of head coach as well. We both have the Chiefs. Moving on, the Raiders and the Broncos are both out of the playoffs, but a Raiders win can help a couple of teams, including the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that's where, but again, it's very unlikely that it comes to that. I have the Raiders yeah. on accounts of the New England Patriots South defense going off with Jack Jones and Alana Roberts and that core and that their new head coach, Antonio Pierce. I love what they're doing. I love what they're building and if they can find themselves a QB I have high hopes for this Raiders team in the future. You've got another former Patriot, Jarrett Stidham, and the Broncos taking out the Raiders. Why? Please explain. Here's the thing. This game really doesn't matter, okay? Both teams are already True. eliminated. Um, I think the only thing that's going to differentiate Denver from winning, in my opinion, is Jarrett Stidham having an absolute masterclass, fleecing the, fleecing the Denver Broncos of money. I love Stidham. Oh, the team next year. year. And then playing horrible next year. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness a Jared Stidham masterclass week 18 when nothing matters whatsoever, okay? And the Denver Broncos are going to win this game. That has no implications whatsoever. This is the storyline of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all, I, y'all, I, 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 love, I am a huge fan of, of five in the morning vibes picks. Just when you put a parlay down at five in the morning just because the vibes feel right. And this, I, I'm not a betting man. But this just feels like one of those late night parlays that just feels right. And I love it. There we go. I think it's hilarious. Right. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love it? Exactly. The NFC East is a little bit of a doozy. So we're going to go with two of those games first. We're going to start with the Eagles. We both have the better team win. We have the in the NFC East. The Eagles take on the Giants at home. The Eagles have partial ownership of the Giants, like a lot of division yep, rivals true. do. A lot of like the entire NFC East does. We have we both have Philly and then we both have Dallas going in to the into FedEx Field and running the commanders out of town as in in unsurprising fashion. We both have Dallas, we both have Philly, but if one of okay, us okay. in one I, of those Hold up. I I will say that this is the Dallas game I think personally is gonna be closer than you think it is. It's not gonna be a blast like trap game. Oh boy. I, and, here, and here's the thing. Okay. Charles Dan Howell's sanity run start, is over, dude. He started to throw bad. He started to throw bad. Like, he started to throw bad bad throws. His offensive line is still collapsing in and it's starting to get to him. He's starting to make mistakes. I don't like what Sam Howell's doing. And I think if the commanders know what's good for them, they need to bench him before they ruin his confidence going into next year. Just cut your losses for the year and try again in 2024. Well, it is 2024. No, the start of the 2024 season. I disagree. I think this is going to be a Sam Howell legacy game. Okay. Oh All right. This is going to be this, this game in garbage this gonna, time. Is Patriots game going to be right. Barry, Bailey Zappi legacy game? No. Absolutely. Still absolutely. This is, this this is where it starts rising. Since 2017, this is the only reason we own the Jets. It is 
It is a predetermined outcome. The Patriots will beat the Jets every game till the end of time. It's a predetermined outcome. I don't, don't care. It. Don't jinx it. And I, I am don't known for it. it. I don't care. I'll put it out into the world. I there don't you go. care about the outcome. But when I see <laughs> but like we, the last time we, the last time we lost to the Jets, dude, I was in sixth grade. I am a col- I am a freshman in college. That is a while, dude. I, it is a predetermined outcome, just like the Eagles beating the Giants, just like the Cowboys beating the Commanders. Now, when it comes to playoff scenarios, the Cowboys have control their destiny for the NFC East. They win They win the division with a win or a Philly loss. However, they can be either the two, the three, the five, depending on how these games shake out. Detroit can jump them with a win and a Cowboys loss and a Philly loss. Then it would be Detroit 2, Dallas. Dallas 3, Philly 5. The Eagles need a win and a Dallas loss. And just like the Cowboys, the tiebreakers, they could jump the Lions. They could be the two. They could also they could also get jumped by the Lions. They could be the they could be the three, or they could end up being a wild card and be the five. That's how the NFC East works out. In the Rams 49ers game, hello. Um Yeah. Like uh, you said you want to explain the scenario, but I'm just gonna say I, I will. Okay, I'm go for it. I'm going to explain my pick. I have the Rams, you have the Niners, and I there say... You, you explain your Rock pick. Purdy's, go ahead. Rock Purdy's sitting. I'd imagine Christian McCaffrey is sitting. I'd imagine maybe Debo or Ayuk or Trent might sit, or maybe Fred Warner. Some, a lot of these not. It's just like the Ravens game, and I think the Rams are a lot better a team than the Steelers are, and there's a lot less of a, of a disparity between these two teams. So I'm going to go Rams house on this one. All right, that's what, let's Honestly, see this scenario with the 49ers. All right, so the the 49ers are already locked into the one seat. They they've clinched a buy. That's why they're, they're going to sit everybody. And Brock Purdy's already confirmed he's sitting, and that's why they're going to lose this week. There you go. But here's the thing: if uh, they they already clinched the playoffs fifth seed with the win, all right, the Rams, and they're going to be the sixth seed if they lose and Green Bay wins. Now, the reason why I put the 49ers here is because Excuse me, this is seeing the NFL on our document. Um, I made a document. I made a typo on the document. They're the five or excuse me. They're the six with a win, a seven with a loss. They can go no further than the seven. I'm sorry. That's my mistake. Continue. Oh, uh, OK. All right. So whatever whatever outcome happens. All right. This is set up for a NFL script writer masterclass. And the reason why is regardless. OK. The Rams. I know, I know where you're going. To Detroit, all right, and and Jared Goff will play against his former team. This is set up, okay. The reason why I put Hollywood is is purely for that matchup. Now, if that's, 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 um, if so, you're saying if the Rams win, they'll play Detroit. Is that what you're saying? If, given that Detroit if the wins. Rams win, they'll play Detroit, barring a Cowboys loss. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to the Rams because my reasoning was for the Rams Lions matchup. Um. So excuse my so change there. Rams Lions matchup to happen. Okay. I will say yeah, this. That's that's why we're both. That's why we're both we're both Rams. We're both Rams on this one. It's like the only time. That's my mistake. So I'll allow you to change your pick. Okay. There we go. So I will explain that one more time. L.A. is the six. They can go no higher than okay. the six. They can go no lower than the seven. With a win, they are the six. They will play Detroit unless Dallas on they will play Detroit unless Dallas loses, in which Detroit right. becomes the two seed, and Philly would end up playing or the NFC East champion 
would end up playing the Rams, whoever that may be, whether it's Dallas or Philly. If Dallas loses, LA plays the NFC East, the NFC East champion. The only way that we get that Matthew Stafford versus former team, that Jared Goff versus former team matchup, is LA wins and Dallas wins. That's all we care about for that matchup. All right. All right, all right. Please explain to me Buffalo, Miami, the AFC East, the most competitive division in football. Said nobody ever. <laughs> needs to nobody ever. And I almost just fell off my chair on my home. This is one of the most chaotic episodes, and this is go. This is going on our TikTok eventually when we make. All right. Okay. So let's, let's go. Let's Buffalo, let's, Miami. Let's dial in here a little bit. All right. This might be one of the craziest playoff scenarios of all time. Okay. I and, love that. So the Bills and the and the Bills and the Dolphins are playing. On Sunday Night Football, this is the AFC East Championship, okay? Miami has already clinched the playoffs. They're already in, okay? They're the, they're the two seed as of now, which is very good. Um, if they win, they're the AF- AFC East champs, obviously. They're going to stay the two seed, all right? If they lose, they drop all the way to the six seed. That's already crazy enough for, for a team, to, for that to happen to a team that's the, currently the two seed. So if Miami loses, they're the six seed. The, the even crazier part is what happens with the Buffalo Bills. They've had a pretty insane season already where they've lost a bunch of bad teams and they've beat a lot of good teams. And this is the outcome of that. If they win, they're the AFC East champs, okay? And they're in the playoffs with a Pittsburgh loss. They're in with a Jacksonville loss. And if they tie or if they tie the game, or if Indy and Houston tie the game. Now, here's the thing. Along with a tie of their own. If all of those things manage to not happen, and they lose and the game, the Steelers, they are out. So basically, if I, yeah, so basically, yeah, I'll let you go. I'll let you continue. Basically, yeah, yeah. if I win pick them this, if I win pick them this week, basically, yeah. which would include a Pittsburgh win and a Jacksonville win and the Houston indie game not ending in a tie, and Buffalo ends up losing, then Buffalo. Bye-bye. We don't get to see Josh Allen in the playoffs and the scriptwriters are unhappy because then we gotta watch Gardner Minshew in the playoffs instead of instead of um That's ridiculous. Josh Allen. That's crazy. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I yeah. love the NFL. So funny. However, I don't think it's gonna happen. Miami, I saw on Twitter today that the Miami Dolphins injury report looks like a CVS receipt. If you've ever been to CVS, you know. That those receipts go for days. And I literally like stretches the full length of a New York City, <laughs> a, a New York City block. They are killing the trees with their receipts. And that's what the Dolphins injury report looks like. It's literally Tua versus the world. I would be shocked if he pulls it off against Buffalo. And Josh Allen's also been on a tear. He's been doing whatever he feels like, throwing it to wherever he feels like it often ill-advised, but it's been working out, and sometimes that's just how the ball bounces, and I think that luck is going to continue in his favor. Buffalo wins 31-25. I will. Okay, now I'm going to give my take because I I do have some explaining to do here, all right? And again, I've been relying off of vibes a little more the past few weeks, and it it is paying off, so I'm just going to continue that gamble. I have Miami winning this game. I understand that their injury report is a CBS receipt, okay? They have pretty much their entire offense. On, on injury reserves, but I do have the Buffalo Bills losing this game, and, and here's my really funny reasoning, okay? They have been the craziest chokers this season. They've lost to Denver. They've lost to a bunch of crazy teams, and everybody knows that their window is closing in on them, 
Okay, if they do not win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years, this team is going to go to shambles. I say that this team starts that shambling now. They're going to miss the playoffs, in my opinion, and this is going to be the start of the end of the buff, the start of the end of the Buffalo Bills, whatever you know, thing that they've had going on now. I I just see Buffalo choking this because this is what they've been doing all year. They've been winning against good teams and they've been losing against bad teams. They don't even have the chance to play against good teams if they lose. And I just think that's what's going to happen. I've called the Denver game against Buffalo. I said Denver was going to win. This just seems like a prime Buffalo choking scenario for me. So I think that that crazy scenario might play out. And of right. course, you have Buffalo losing by one point. You have 20. You have the score. We don't usually predict scores, but to determine a regular season champion, if Jerry wins this week, we will go to who gets the score closest to determine who wins the regular season. And of course, we will add odds to playoffs if he was the overall champion of the season. But we have scores just in case. He said 24 23, which would equate to Tyler Bass missing an extra point, which would. Also, be a buff a very Buffalo way to lose, especially if it's yeah, wide Buffalo. right. Especially yeah. if it's wide right. Don't forget that, Buffalo Ooh. fans. I didn't. That will do it for the NFL section of Big Red Banter. When we come back, college football went crazy this past weekend, and we're here to recap all of it in the last segment of Big Red Banter of the first one. The new year. We'll see you in a little bit. Stop! 
right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Big Red Banter on 93.5 WPBR-FM Ithaca's Alternative. We are about to start our college football segment, but before that, I do want to point out a comment that you made right before the music break, Matt. Um, you, you briefly mentioned a, a wide right scenario by the Buffalo Bills. Um, I do have a fun little fact to share that. You know the kicker that did that in the Super Bowl? He went to my high school. <laughs> I think uh, personally that's a pretty crazy nice. fact. Um, yeah, he, Scott crazy. Norwood went to my high school. Yeah. That all right. Insane. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty insane fact. But all right, that's let's get into it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But let's take it and let's recap the New Year's Six. All six bowl games have happened on January 1st. And let's we're going to do one takeaway from each New Year's Six game, starting off with the Fiesta Bowl. Oregon beating 45 to 6 against Liberty. I really don't know. I don't have much to say. You got to put some respect on Bo Nix's name after that game. Uh, Liberty, I don't even know what they were doing there, personally. Um, but didn't deserve to be there. Third week schedule in the nation. And, and Bo Nix could have opted out of that game if he wanted to. He chose to play with his brothers on the field. And I think he should be held in a really high light due to Skype with scouts due to it. All I'm going to say on yeah. that matter, I'll take it or let's. So you had something great, a little bit of a crazy um, take about, about the Big Ten regarding the Cotton Bowl and the Peach Bowl moving to, together. Mizzou took down Ohio State 14-3, to and Ole Miss took down Penn State 38-25. to All right, let me hear it. What is What do you know about the Big Ten? The Big Ten is a joke without Michigan, okay? If for some reason in the future, Michigan moves to another conference, this is going to be a terrible conference. Well, let's just go down the list, okay? Right, Northwestern, or at least I, I can easily go. They had a football program, okay? Right, Northwestern. I forgot they had a hockey. Purdue, who's who's okay? All right, Indiana. Hey, they're going to basketball. They're going to basketball. Yeah, they're good at basketball. We're talking about college football here. Maryland, Rutgers. They're they're on the same level as Cornell. Okay, Penn State. No, hold on, hold on. Unfortunately, Rutgers would probably hang fifty on Cornell's head. All I'm saying. Yeah, they would, but we we did Rutgers play them. Would hang fifty so, on pretty much any FCS team, and they did that earlier this season. I think they took. Okay, I'll, I'll, I take that statement back. But they're they are compared to the other big FC. Rutgers won a bowl game too this year. Like it's Rutgers and Michigan, and then everybody else is just playoff chokers. I'm not going to say the conference yeah. is a joke, but I'm going to say Penn State. They, they they are kind of you. What Penn, no, like Penn State, Penn State is a perennial State. choker. Penn State is a perennial choker, and the whole conference yeah. is full of perennial chokers. And speaking of a little bit of a choke job in the Orange Bowl, the Georgia Bulldogs took down the FSU Seminoles sixty three to three. And remember that whole tirade we went on about if FSU should have been in the playoffs or if they shouldn't have. I don't care about the opt outs. I don't care about who played. And who did it? Yes. And who was there? And who wasn't there? Both of these teams' opt-out lists looked like a CVS receipt. Both of these teams had 15 players or more gone in opting out of the bowl game for the NFL draft, injured or for the or or going into the transfer portal. It was both of them. Now, yes, I'll acknowledge the fact that FSU had it worse. Out of the 22 starters on offense and defense, they only had three of them available. That is a fair point. But 63-3, to the largest defeat in FSU history, the largest victory in Georgia history, the largest margin of victory in any New Year's Six bowl game, in any bowl game for that matter, and you're going to come back and say, 
Oh, but FSU wasn't motivated. Oh, but FSU didn't have all their guys. We knew they didn't have all their guys. That's the whole reason we left them out of the playoffs. That's the whole reason they weren't in the dance. That's the whole reason that Bama was playing against Michigan in the Rose Bowl, and they weren't. And they proved it, that they shouldn't have been there. And Georgia, who just lost to Alabama the week before they got put in, two hours before their season ended in the hands of the playoff committee, they should feel more disgraced than FSU into the hands of the community. Wow. If we're looking at take. the best four teams, I think Georgia is much closer. Put Jordan Travis in that game. I don't care. Put Keon Coleman in that game. I don't care. Georgia is still winning that game by a couple possessions. Because I and almost I watched that game. I was there in the stadium in Hard Rock Stadium watching every single play. Y'all, I don't y'all, FSU is not a college football playoff team. Alabama would have probably would would have probably beaten them by 14. Georgia would have definitely beaten them by more than 14 if FSU was healthy. They did not deserve to be there. And all of you FSU truthers need to stop complaining. Because this is why you play the games. There. I mean, honestly, that's that is a valid take. Right. FSU, right, got blown out. They are not a good team right now. But for me personally, I still stand by my take. Best and deserving are two different vocabularies when it comes to playoffs. And the playoff committee wanted right. the best, and they got the best. That's all I'm going to say. And all that's right. why we're going to... But, and all, all I'm going to say... Let me let me fill this in quickly. All I'm going to yeah, say is that they did deserve it. All the way up until this year, okay? Because never has a Power 5 undefeated champion never made the playoffs. From every single year until now, it just seemed like it was the most deserving teams. And that now, all of a sudden, they wanted to switch. I think that inconsistency is a little poor on their part. Uh, for me, I stand by the fact that I think FSU should have gone in. I don't think they're a top four team. I'm just going to put that right out. They're not a top four best team, but I do believe they're a top four deserving team. That's my take. All right, moving on to the Rose Bowl. Bama had a loss against Michigan 27-20 to in overtime. Definitely one of the best college games I've ever seen. This was the crazy masterpiece of a college football game. Third CFP game ever to go into overtime. And this was an absolute beauty of a game. There's no more that I could say about it than that. But my takeaway from this is that Blake Corum is absolutely a force to be dealt with. I think that he should be, he is giving me Saquon Barkley vibes back when he was a pencil. Back he is a ferocious, he is a ferocious runner. Um, and he, he is just, a, again, a force to be dealt with. I think that he can go, you know, second round, uh, third round, first second round, round I feel like. Possibly first he, he, he round. like, everyone tells me that he's not, he's a college runner, not an NFL runner. Everyone tells me about his offensive line. And I've watched this kid for four, for four years from the time he's been at Michigan. Um, I am a huge, obviously I'm a Patriots fan. Tom Brady went to Michigan. My aunt actually went to Michigan at the same time as Tom Brady. So for the longest time, I was a fan of Michigan. So I know how Blake Corum runs. He is a pro-ready back, and he's also a running back that's ready to buck the trend of longevity in the NFL. A lot of these guys are too explosive, too powerful, too contact-ready for their own good. Corum is a safe runner. He's a smart runner, but he's also a physical runner when he needs to be, and you do not want to see that man in the B-gap. I'm telling you right now, Blake Corum That overtime touchdown was disgusting. Blake Corum is everything you want in a pro running back. Yeah, Blake absolutely. Everything you want in a pro running back. All right, moving on to the Sugar Bowl. Texas, on the last play, fell to Washington. 
um, 31-37. And I'm going to just segue this into the national championship game where Michael Penix from Washington, who opened up as a 4.5-point underdog, which I think it's a little crazy, now move on to Michigan. I mean, this coming Monday, January 8th, 7.30 at NRG Stadium, all of the Texans in beautiful Houston, Texas. Michael Penix, and I'm going to go crazy, he is the third best QB in this upcoming draft. He's better than Jaden Dan, or is he a, or this year? I don't think he's a Heisman, but I think he is a better prospect than Jaden Daniels, a much better prospect than Bo Nix, and I think he is a much, and then he's much closer to Drake May and Caleb Williams than everybody else gives him play play for, and I think that's just a thing, a matter of exposure because the Pac-12 just doesn't play at the same time as everybody else. I think that Michael Pet, I want. Like, on my Snapchat story during the game, I said that Michael Penix is a Patriot. He seemed, like, I'm like, literally, I'm a, is the, the little clip from Spongebob where it's like, you are, where it's like, like, like or it's like the, I don't know, it's a random clip from Spongebob, and it just, on the bottom, of the, it just says Patriot. It's just a fun meme that our, that our community uses. And I'm just going to say it, Penix is that guy. And I think he's the most yeah. pro-ready QB in this class. I And I think... And I need the Patriots to draft him so badly. Um, I, I, you know what? That is that's a fine take. Honestly, um, he can go top three. I don't think that's going to happen. But his throwing ability is ridiculous. I get he he is a lefty, right? I get he's a lefty. A lot of people don't have a really nice conception when it comes to lefties. I mean, you have like Tua right now. People generally think that lefties in the NFL just aren't as good throwers. I refuse to believe that. Michael Penix, if you mirror his his film to make him look like a righty, he is a gunslinger. Okay? This guy has one of the best throwing abilities that I've seen in the, in the recent five years. He gives me Michael Vick vibes when it comes to throwing. And because of that, I think that he could fall to pick nine, and I think he's going to go at Atlanta just like Michael Vick did. That's my take. Wow. Uh, it's a Frank Brazy one. But I think he can go back. He's going to pair up with Bijan, and he's going to wreck havoc. He's going to wreck havoc. Okay, I think he's going to wreck havoc in Atlanta. That's that's my take on where he's going to be. But let's quickly preview the national championship game. The uh, Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl have been completed, and now the national championship game is going to be number one Michigan against number two Washington um, on J- Monday, January eighth at seven thirty at NRG Stadium. I think Washington's going to pull one out. I have them winning. I'm winning Michigan. You. I'm with you. I love. I it. like that. I I'm like that. You. And I, I, everyone's Michigan no, doubter. How about let's win it all first? Yeah. Okay. Go. Go. Um, explain. Yeah. Okay. I, we're kind of running out of time. I'm going to be completely honest with you. So just give me a score position, and I'm going to just run it out, and then we're just going to end this because we are running out of time. Love it. All right. All right. Personally, for me, I'm going to quickly go over it. I think Washington's passing game is unbelievable. Um, I think Michigan's passing isn't as strong. J.J. McCarthy's a good QB, but uh, even with Washington's poor pass defense, I think that they can outlast Michigan. That's my personal take. I'm with you on that. I think Michael, this is going to be the Michael Paddock's legacy game that he needs to put him right in that draft spot for the New England Patriots to take him and be right. the next well, dynasty in the end. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. But I do think that Michael Paddock's Jr. is just too much for that Michigan secondary. They need to get home and get home faster than they did against Jalen Milrow in Alabama, and if they do, they can give him one heck of a time. I can't. Um, Washington's offensive line has done a great job of keeping Penix clean, 
all season. And for that reason, I think Washington wins 31 to 30. And that will do it for this show. We will see you next week. Remember, you're tuned in to WVBR 93.5 Ithaca's Alternative. For Jerry Shank, I'm Matt Madden. We thank you for listening to Big Red Banter. Now, coming up next on WBBR is Happy Hour. We'll see you next week.